Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, and uh, this is where we draw the curtains on Ghana Connect. Uh, Manuel, I see that uh, one more wrapping up the, the, the show for us in terms of uh, an SMS coming through. Yes, uh, Albert from Sakumono says, uh, Good evening, these happenings can happen uh, in a private university. university. And good evening, my two brothers. As a matter of fact, these uh, student violence attacks must be checked well because... I mean, I have no place to go from uh, courage. Uh, we'll be in to Ghana, car- we? <laughs> And these so-called uh, traditions are fueling these uncouth behavior uh, from the students. We have passed through the university. The authorities must deal drastically with the perpetrators. Tony uh, sends Sending that, that one. one. You have a final message? Uh, this one says that it's high time we restructured our educational institutions and the nature of discipline-based uh, environment uh, determinism. And uh, it continues to say that senior high school students are behaving abnormally uh, with impunity because of human rights. And that's coming through for uh, John as well. So I guess John is not just concerned about the universities, but even what happens at the senior high school levels. But um, obviously, th- this is where uh, we wrap it all up. I am Desi Sugandu. Log on to myjoyonline.com. We'll see you next time. Live online, this is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Here's a chase for Gian, he's one on two. It is Gian, he's in the area, he scores! John Bennett, the journalist who actually um, had that interview with Asamoah Jan and put it forward, you know, and he's also here with us. Thank you very much, John, for joining us. Thank you, friends, for joining us as well. We'll keep this very, very short because this interview will be rebroadcast on air when we want to keep it as snappy as possible. Thanks. Thank you for your time. Hey, thank you very much, Gary. Yeah, great to speak to you. It's cutting in and out, but I think I just got that. Yeah, it's great to speak to you. Great to speak to all my friends in Ghana. Hello to you all. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Fentu, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. All right. George Adegina has also joined us. I hope that my connection will stabilize pretty shortly for us to have a good space um, as well. So... Let's get cracking. John, you had that interview with Jan. Um, if I'm correct, the interview was done a week ago, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I spoke to um, yeah, Samara Jan a week ago and 
to be honest, I, I, I didn't speak to him uh, about the combat. That's not what I wanted, really. I, I've been chasing him for a long time, wanted to do an interview with him for a long time, uh, just to check in with him, really, and uh, talk to him ahead of the World Cup, see how excited he is about the World Cup. Um, but then I, I started to hear whispers, one of them from your colleague, George, uh, that possibly he's back in the gym and he's thinking about a World Cup comeback. And then these whispers were confirmed to me by um, Asamoah Jan's team that he was thinking of trying to do a Roger Miller <laughs> and make a World Cup comeback. So I asked um, Asamoah Jan about that and yeah, he gave me some really good answers. And um, he, he seems, um, you know, it was a shock to me, but he seems really up for it. He seems to really believe that he can get fit enough in time for to be considered for the World Cup. Let's be honest, John. He gave you more than good answers. I mean, you've been the hot topic in Ghana and will be for the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's more than more than a good answer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's nice to know it's uh, been um, it's been talked about a lot in Ghana. I've really I've I've really enjoyed the the reaction. I've enjoyed uh, looking at Twitter to see what's trending over the last few days and seeing Asamoah Jan's name up there. Yeah, he's, he, to be, you know, you guys know better than me. He's brilliant to interview Asamoah Jan. I actually, out of all the African legends of the last generation, he's actually one of them that I haven't spoken to a lot over the years, which is, which is a shame. That's one of the reasons why I was really keen to talk to him going into the World Cup, because I always think he gives fantastic interviews, um, and he's got a great personality. And yeah, you, you're right. His, his answers were brilliant. He was he was so passionate about wanting to to play again for Ghana, about wanting to go back to the World Cup. Obviously, we talked about the Uruguay issue. I was the one who mentioned revenge. I was really interested by his answer on that because he, you know he la he laughed when I asked him about that. When I asked him about revenge, and he said, you know, for me, it is in the past. It's something that I've put behind me. But for Ghanaians. Everyone's talking about revenge. When the draw was made, everyone's talking about revenge. So I'm only human, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm massively up for that game as well. So it, it, that game, I think, is pushing him to try and make this comeback, but it's not the only thing pushing him. I agree. Now, let, let's come to the substance of the issue. You've, like you said, you've interviewed lots of African legends and so on in the context of the World Cup, and not just African legends, you know. I mean, everybody loves the World Cup. We know the stories of... Uh, players were a bit older coming in. What was your immediate reaction when you got the confirmation from Jan that, okay, I might want to come back? What was your journalistic instinct? Well, I was excited because, you know, obviously it is a world story. And interesting, Asamoah Jan said that when, when I spoke to him. He said the whole world knows about this game of what happened in 2010. And that's true, you know, it's huge in Ghana, but it's huge around the world. It's one of the iconic World Cup games, in my opinion. I might be a bit biased because I have a big interest in African football, but when I speak to, to people, football fans, football fans who only check into football at World Cups, that is one of the games they remember. They remember that entire incident. They remember Asimov stepping up, hit, hitting the bar. It was really, really sad. It's really sad to think back on it. I think what a lot of people forget is that he then stepped up for the penalty shootout, which I think takes a huge amount of courage. The fact he stepped up in the penalty shootout and scored his penalty. But we all know what happened. It is one of those iconic World Cup moments. And the image of Luis Suarez celebrating after that penalty was missed. So the idea that there's even a 1% chance that Luis Suarez and Asamojan could be reunited on that pitch in the World Cup in Qatar is just... So exciting, not just for people in Ghana, not just for people in Uruguay, but for, for the neutral World Cup football fans as well. It's an exciting prospect to think about. And yeah, that's why I knew as soon as he said that, I knew it would capture the imagination of, of, of people because you have that idea in your mind that maybe there's a slim chance that Suarez and Jean could meet again on a pitch at the World Cup. Brilliant. Let me bring my, my colleagues into this as well. For those of you who have... Uh, just join in. This is a special pre-World Cup space um, from the Joy Sports team. This, you might be listening again on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM later. Um, Gary L. Smith here sitting in George seat for this special on the issue of Asamoah Jan. We purposely put it together to get into the mind of John Bennett, the journalist 
who put out this story. It's not often that journalists are the centerpiece of it, but you know how it is. Sometimes we need to pick our own minds, and we do that brilliantly here at Joy on programs like the Sunday edition and so on. Fent, George, welcome again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Great. Uh, Fent, let me begin with you. You and I were on the Super Morning Show this morning looking at all the strands of this topic. We went as factually as possible. Having heard from John about the circumstances under which the interview came about, anything you would think has piqued your interest, has lit a bulb in your head? Uh, yeah. Hello, everyone. Hello, John. <laughs> I'm back home now. <laughs> hey, yeah, you've made a big transfer, I see. It, well, you yeah. know, forget forget the Asamoah Jan interview. This is the big story of the, the off season. This transfer. I've been, you know, I've been asking you for the exclusive interview, and you haven't responded to my calls. So. Don't worry, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Hopefully, one that is as big as the Jan one you just had. That's <laughs> well, nice to speak uh, yeah, to. You. But um, you know, I, I listen. It, it's I think this is Asamoah John, and uh, John hit the nail right on the head when he says that, uh, you know, John is a fun person to interview. And I think uh, a part of that is that he knows exactly what what impact uh, anything he says would have on the Ghanaian media space. In fact, briefly after, um, I think I saw him on IG Live, I was uh, watching with George, and he just came on Instagram Live. Jan didn't say anything. He came in, put his music on. He's sitting in his car. And then, you know, he just screams out, one interview. And then uh, he continues laughing. And moments later, he says, pressure. And then he hangs up. He hangs up the Instagram, the Instagram call. So, you know, it, 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 it says everything you need to know about Jan, that he's very intentional. Everything he says is very calculated. So this thing about wanting to go to the World Cup and saying it at this crucial time, I don't think it was by accident. Uh, whether he actually means it or whether he's just messing with us, that's another subject altogether. But I think that there's one consensus that all of us have. The fact that we have struggled for goals post-Jan. The last time he played for the Af- for, for Ghana was the AFCON in 2019. I mean, he didn't score in that competition. But since then, Ghana's highest goal scorer is not even a striker. He's been Andre Ayew. He scored nine goals in 26 games since Jan last played for, for, for the national team. The rest of the other guys, none of them is a striker either. Because the, the next three top goal scorers are Thomas Partey, Kudus Mohamed, and then you have Jordan Ayew, of course, the only striker in there. And each of them has scored four goals. So clearly you're looking at an avenue where John still would feel, at least if not physically, but in his head, he's thinking at, at, at 37 years old, there is massive, he's, 30, he's approaching 36 years. There are players that are within John's age, age, age range that are still actively playing and are uh, are playing for, you know, frontal roles for their various countries going to the World Cup. So, Jan knows that age-wise, capacity-wise, there is a chance for him. Then you add the fact that now the squad limit has been extended by FIFA to 26 uh, players. That gives an avenue for an extra three that coaches can decide to pick outliers, ones that are not particularly perhaps very influential or crucial to their squad selection. So if you look at all of the dynamics surrounding this this World Cup, it's not a usual World Cup. And I think Jan feels that there is a, there's a real chance that he makes the World Cup squad. However, I think uh, everyone agrees that at the moment, and I said it earlier, and people thought it was funny, but at the moment, John is not, he's not in the physical shape to play for the national team. I don't even think he's in the physical shape to play in any proper Sunday league football, uh, you know, because he's not, you know, I've seen John in, in recent, uh, in, in recent months. He doesn't look fit. When the news broke out, or when the interview came out the next day or that very day, I believe, videos emerge of John training or running around at the Legon Ajax Park. You should look at the video. You know, he's nowhere close to being fit to play at the World Cup. So I think one thing is crucial. 
fitness is everything. I think with, without a doubt, we all know that with Jan fully fit, the age isn't really the issue here. I think the issue here is real fitness. And he, if he's absolutely fit and he has a club and he's playing in the lead after the World Cup, I think he has a chance. Because that Roger Miller example that he said, I think the things that he conveniently left out are the fact that Roger Miller before that World Cup uh, in 1994 was playing active club football. You know, he had, he had even helped the local club to get to the FA Cup final that year. You know, he might have been 42 years old, but he was playing actively. Jan has not kicked a ball for more than a year. You know, so you don't just get into the national team like that. I don't think that is possible. This is the Black Stars. We have to be careful what we really want as a nation. Okay, if we're looking at building a younger team or a team that is able to compete, and football has changed, you know, because there's a lot of emphasis on fitness now. So for me, I think, yes, I actually genuinely think that it is realistic that John will dream of going to the World Cup. But I think all of that will depend on him. Now, the other question would be, realistically, at two and a half months, good enough time for John to get in shape. Because just being physically fit is is one thing. Also being match fit is another. The local transfer season ends on Monday, closes on Monday. Is Jan going to try and find a club? Or is he just going to continue to train on his own for two and a half months and hopes that that will be good enough to convince the coaches that he can play at the World Cup? You know, and I know I can understand maybe perhaps the motivation of Jan trying to make this World Cup because a lot of the Ghanaian populace, one thing that has become very apparent is that people have started to call him selfish and said he's done everything. But John's place in history is not entirely sealed when it comes to the World Cup. You know, he's made three World Cup appearances. You know, there are, you see, and the competition is not just a global one. It's also a local one. And this is one thing that people are afraid to admit. But there is an actual, like, it, it is there. It's palpable. That palpable rivalry. You know, you know, most of it very healthy, of course. But that thing with him and Andre Ayu is a massive deal. Ayu probably is in poor position if he doesn't get injured. He's in poor position to go to his third World Cup. Jan has made three World Cups. Ayu goes to that, his level with Jan. That is done. They've both made seven AFCON appearances. Andre Ayu might go to the next AFCON. If Jan doesn't go to this World Cup, Andre goes to the World Cup. He gets three. He matches him. Andre goes to the next AFCON. He has eight AFCON appearances. He goes level with Gobert Song and Ahmed Hassan. That is some places in history that Jan is not coming anywhere near. I don't think he wants that. He scored six goals at the World Cup. The closest African player to him is Ahmed Musa. He's got four goals. They're not going to the World Cup. So there's no threat there coming from another African, possibly, about, you know, breaking this Jan record. And I don't think there is any African player that has been to four different World Cups. I stand to be corrected. So if Jan does make that, that is history that would be very difficult to break. So you look at all of it, and John has an eye on legacy. But a legacy isn't handed to anybody. And I think that he knows more than anyone that... And that's why he was very particular in that interview. And I, I like the fact that he emphasized on being fit because he knows that it wouldn't just be handed to him. But even getting fit in itself, like I said, is... There are two aspects of it. You know, just being physically fit alone might not be enough. He has to actually be able to play some football and maybe give the coach an opportunity to see him in September um, before he's able to, um, before he's able to, 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 even, stand a, to even stand a chance to, to qualify for the World Cup. So um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very tricky situation. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, and we have seen in the past. Yeah, you know how some you know some selections have been made in this country. It's not entirely straight, and it's not entirely. It doesn't entirely always follow a formula. So you know, the next few months will be very interesting indeed, and um, I'm really excited to see what happens. Well, you mentioned that Otuado, the Ghana coach, will have an opportunity to see his players and Jan will do himself some good if he won, registered for the transfer before the end of the Ghana Premier League transfer window. That is, if he has designs on playing in Ghana, you know, before the World Cup. And then two, you also mentioned um, that in September, you know, there will be an opportunity 
for those who have not heard, Ghana have just confirmed a friendly with Brazil for the 23rd of September. That will be, um, at the moment, currently the second pre-World Cup friendly that's confirmed. Remember, they'll be playing um, their final pre-tournament friendly with Switzerland in November in the United Arab Emirates before they go on to Qatar. So let me bring in George here. George, you've heard everything yeah. Fence said. Yeah. I mean, what I will pick, what will immediately stand out are the motivations for Jan. He said in an interview with John, who is on the line with us, that, you know, what do you call it? Um, Roger Miller. So he's in a place in history, but Fence brings in an interesting angle, you know, about probably um, the whole he and Andre are using being a factor because he wants to be the undisputed history maker in the history of Ghanaian football. Yeah. Uh, h- hello, John. How are you doing, John? <laughs> hello, George. How are you? Nice to speak to you. Yeah. Well, it's all yes. happening, isn't it? It's all happening in the World Cup build-up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But guys, you know what? Gary, before I come to your question, you know what? I've, I've just been thinking. Um, Asamojan actually didn't say anything wrong. I think it is rather the fans and uh, a lot of Ghanaians more being paranoid because they know how powerful he is. And that's just indicating that I am interested in playing at the World Cup may actually end up with him playing at the World Cup. I think that that's why we are, we are, we are going on with the analysis and analysis. I've been looking closely at the quotes. He said all the right things in that interview. He says he would like to play the World Cup. Everybody likes to play the World Cup. Everybody wants to play the World Cup. Fent, you want to play the World Cup, won't you? Gary wants to play the World Cup. So he says, I would like to play the World Cup. All I need to do is get fit and see. John asked uh, an important question and he says, have you been speaking to any technical team members or officials of the FA? He says, no, I've just been speaking with my um, my manager. And we are seeing because, of course, I have to be fit before I, I get opportunity to be in the Black Stars or be at the World Cup. So it feels like he's just said all the right things. But we are going beyond that because we know that um, he's, he's a very powerful figure. And the fact that he has even spoken alone puts a lot of pressure already on the technical team. If they were not looking at that option, they may start to look at that option because we have not created a situation where Asamoah would not be interested in playing for us again because like Fentu did notes, clearly we have issues with putting the ball in the back of the net, especially from a striking department. And if you look at the kind of football we have played, we have had to rely on midfielders. We have to rely on defenders at times to get the goal. So there is a gap that needs to be filled somehow. And knowing that we have 26 players going to the World Cup, Asamajan feels that, yeah, he, he can get into it and he is trying to do what he can do to get into it. Sometimes when you listen to the analysis, you feel like, wow, this is a bit stretched and all. But I think it's because of the power. Um, Gary, when you talk about the motivation um, for Asamajan, I think one, for Asamajan, no matter how he stretches this and puts it in there, the one thing that he cannot forget in his football career is that moment against Uruguay, that penalty that he missed. And he has said over and over again in in interviews that even when he sleeps sometimes, he dreams about it. He sees that he sees that moment actually happening and he's always hoping he wished that he could have done something else, something different. Maybe that opportunity comes to him again. So I think that, yes, as much as we're really looking at playing against Uruguay, even if it means having a chance to be with the team, who will get to eventually win it. Then you cannot take away um, the fact that every player wants to be in, in the history books. Every player wants to kind of, yeah, protect what they have done in the game. As much as a top goal scorer, Africa, so far as the World Cup is concerned, he has been to the World Cup three times. Uh, the natural instinct that he will not be too happy if he's not the main guy. And like you were making the point, if he makes another, if, if, if um, Diriyayu makes another Africa Cup of Nations, definitely he's going ahead of him. Yeah, so all those little ones are there. But I think that the greatest motivation aside these ones is the fact that there is space. There is everything to say, I can push and find my way in there. Because I'm looking at the strikes that we have at the moment. Yeah, 
let's try best to put some more goals in the set that we have. But yeah, we cannot say that if Azmajan is fit and he can prove to the coaches that he's fit, he cannot add something to the Black Stars. The other bit is handling the egos if he's going to be at the Black Stars. And that will be one of the issues for me, even if he's fit, why the technical team may or may not. It is a big thing handling Andrea use ego in the Black Stars. You handling Thomas Pate as well in the Black Stars and you're going to add a Samwajan to that, uh, you know, uh, you know, team or that camp. It's going to be really, really tough. And it's another one that's going to look out there, but the motivations are very, very clear for me here. He sees an opportunity mm-hmm. to jump in. Yeah. Number two, yeah, he sees an opportunity to jump in. Number two, <laughs> he, 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 he has everything and every reason to play because of his records and stuff that he has set. And number three, it will be great to play against Uruguay again with, with Suarez there. And even if he doesn't score, be a part of the team that actually did win against them again in the World Cup. What an opportunity. That's what I think. Nice one. Very cool. Um, hi, hope you are doing well. Be in a minute. Mr. Ambofu, yeah. can you hear me? Yeah, Gary, I can hear you. Great. Your take on everything um, that's gone on, you know, Jan, World Cup, Ghana, first first instinct, first thought when you hear the story. Let's start from there. Uh, just just a quick question for John. Uh, could you give an idea of when you did the interview? I just need it for timeline purposes. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I, I the interview went out on Tuesday. And I recorded the interview a week before, okay. the Tuesday before. And he said then that he was on an eight-week training program. I just While I'm on, I just wanted to pick up on um, something that George said. It was really interesting. Well, everything's been really interesting, all, all the input. I, I just think, what's he got to lose, Asamojian? Because we all know that the chances are really, really slim. But, uh, but as Fentuo said, he's 36. What's he got to lose? He, he just, you know, if, to make this attempt, I don't think he will lose anything because... He's, he, he said pressure in his Instagram post that Fentua mentioned, I think. But I don't think he's under any pressure at all because we don't expect him to make the World Cup. So if he did, it would be an amazing story. And if he doesn't, then, you know, it, it's, it's not something that, that would, would surprise us. But I think his, if, if he's attempting to get fit, I don't see what he's got to lose. So um, it would be an incredible story. I just can't wait to, to find out what happens over, over the next eight weeks to see if he really can get some fitness and if he really starts playing football again. Yeah, but uh, just a quick one before Rico comes in. John, um, I don't know how to put it, but you see, like I was saying, that the interview didn't have any strange words. He only said, I'm interested in his training. It's just that with the information, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, with, the, with the background that we have, when Asamojan says, I'm interested in going to the World Cup, and he has backed, he says he has embarked on an eight-week training camp, and he's going at it. And you sit back and know that this cannot just be happening on the surface. There definitely may be some, 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 some real, real things that are crystallizing right underneath. And so everybody seems to be attacking this. Like he said, I am in the black stars or I have been called in the black stars, you know, and, and, and the little subtones of, of what really goes on in the national team. I'm sure a lot of the, a lot of Ghanaians here understand the subtones and, and how can I put it? Okay. Like Roger Federer knows that well in this wonderful golden triumvirate in tennis, at the end of the day, it may be Novak Djokovic because of his age and the rate at which he's going, being the one with the most grand slams. But if Roger Federer can push it one more and he has a chance, why not? So what we see as a slim chance, John, may not exactly be a slim chance. It may actually be a bigger chance. Well, I'd love to see. Uh, the other good point is the 26-man squad thing. I think it was tw- if it was 23-man squads, as, as it normally was before in the old days, and I think we really would be thinking... No chance. But the fact there's 26, it's a 26 man squad. He's taking his badges. So he's starting to think about coaching. That's the other thing in, in the back of people's minds. Would it, would it be great just to take him along to have that, that influence there, that Asamojan influence, even if he wasn't there to play much? So that, that's another interesting factor. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So actually, I do have a lot to say. Uh, but let me start off uh, from the timeline point. Uh, I asked John because I just wanted to put two and two together and find out whether maybe John really had this all along. I think from the second Ghana qualified to the World Cup in March, 
there was a part of him that wanted to go to the World Cup. I don't think he just woke up one day recently and just dreamt of it. I think he wanted... Because the, the key sentence for me in that interview was the fact that he said he hasn't retired. And so, essentially, the, what we can infer from that is that, to him, he's always been available. Now, of course, there comes in the question of you know being in shape and making sure you're fit. But from a mindset point of view he still feels that he has a point to prove. And that has been the storyline of Asamoah career throughout. And I think everyone who knows him can attest to that, that he always feels he has a point to prove. Personally, uh, that's one thing I do not agree with him. And I think sometimes he just has to sit back and see how great he is or how big he is or what he's done and the fact that he doesn't need to prove anyone wrong. And it's this drive in him that I think is letting him come out to say some of these things. The news wasn't surprising to me. The past few months, John has been giving hints in a few interviews that he's still playing, he's still training and all that. For me, my biggest disappointment is a year ago. I think he had the biggest chance, opportunity of getting a chance back into the team to prove to everyone that he still had it when he signed for Lego and Cities. Now, it was one of the biggest stories on the continent where international media, everyone covering it. What followed was just utter disappointment because after he signed for Lego and Cities, if you look at the minutes, for the amount of money that the lead, the, a team in the Ghana Premier League paid for him, he ended up playing just 79 minutes in the league and the only game that he started was in the round of 64. That's the FA Cup against Uncle T at the Accra Sports Stadium, where he didn't even finish the first half due to fitness issues and had a knock and, you know, he couldn't play. And that was apparently his last game for the club. Now, imagine this situation that he took the Ghana Premier League really serious, took it by storm, probably finished as top scorer last season and is gearing into another season. There would have been absolutely no debate if Ghana was to go to the World Cup and there were suggestions that he should go to the World Cup. But here's the situation where he blew that opportunity. And think of it this way in terms of his level of fitness. Now, he says he's on an eight-week training program, right? When he was supposed to be in his best shape in the last two years, that was when he moved from India and he came to Ghana, uh, announced as a Legon City's player. Coach Bashir Hayford said he still had to work on a lot in terms of his match fitness and shape and everything physically. And so if, well, like a year ago, Coach Bashir Hayford was saying this about him and he couldn't even get to start a game in the Ghana Premier League. This is Ghana Premier League. No, no disrespect, but if you had to compare the level of intensity of the Ghana Premier League to the world standard and what you see in the World Cup... I can assure you will be miles apart. So if a year ago, he was not even getting to start a Ghana Premier League game. And since that year, he's been inactive, hasn't played actual football. And so you can tell that on the scale of fitness, he's got worse. Then I'm sorry, but there's no fitness program in the next month that can put him back to shape. So that's the first thing I want Ghanaians to understand. He wouldn't... I. I've never been so sure, but I can tell you there's no way he will be up to the level of fitness required psychologically, physically, mentally to play at a World Cup. That's what everyone must understand. There's no miracle when it comes to fitness. It will take a long time. Think of Mohamed Salisu. He needed about eight months moving from La Liga to Premier League because Hassan Hotel felt fitness-wise he wasn't ready to play in the Premier League. And so intensity is there in football. And it's not something that comes overnight, eight weeks, two months. It takes a lot of time. And so that is the first point that I want to make. He won't be ready physically, mentally, and any form of any form of shape when it comes to fitness. So there there comes the second discussion. Okay, what else can he go as? Yes, there's an option of him going as you know, you could just save a role for a leadership. Uh, in a leadership role, in a capacity where you're just taking a player not based on merit, but because of the experience, you want him to help the person and all that. But 
there comes question marks with that decision because Ghana is not a young boy in the World Cup. We're not in a new territory that we need our hands to be held to navigate. This is our fourth World Cup in the last or five editions. We belong here. And so I don't think we need any specific form of experience that he would need to be there in that situation. And also, George makes a fantastic point. That remember the last tournament that he went to. So the last tournament that Jan went to, remember, it was, I think, a few weeks to that tournament where instead of everyone talking about Ghana preparing for their 2019 Africa Cup of Nations, the main question now was who was going to be captain. And he had to you know, bring in a resignation. The president had to come and have a word. In the end, we now had a general captain. We had an overall captain. And it's just shambles. And it, it reflected in our performances. So for me, I think if you look at his last post on social media, he acknowledges the fact that Whenever he speaks, everyone in Ghana talks about him. He knows he has that power. And that is why I don't think that, George, he will come and say this if he doesn't intend something or has an idea or has a clue or wants to achieve something. He knows he has that capacity. And so once he said that, now he's got the desired effect. Everyone is talking about it. But then again, I just don't see any possible doors into Qatar that wouldn't have any repercussions to the team, whether part of the technical team as a leader, because things are fine as of now. Things are just about fine. We have fresh talent coming in. Inaki Williams is going to come up front. There's a possibility of Edin Ketia coming. Afanejan is being groomed. We are okay. We are okay. And you see, as a national team, he started playing from 2005. We're in 2022 now. That's what, 23 years or 22 years. It could possibly even get close to 25 years of playing for the national team. He's had 109 appearances. No one has more, but Andrea, you will possibly overtake that, even if John goes for this World Cup or not. Eventually, Andrea will pass that record. He's just about four or five games away. But I need to let John understand that his legacy in the country can never be touched. The same way I say he can't go for the work, he can't be fit for the World Cup, is the same way I can say that in the next 100 years, no one will score 51 goals for Ghana. So at least he has something that no one would ever touch. I think it's best to bow out when you have your best foot forward. There's no need to go out there and embarrass yourself in Qatar and prove people right that you're not ready. I think you should just accept it and rather encourage your boys that he's done his part in national team uh, building and, you know, all that we've achieved over the years and just accept that, yes, it's time for the new boys to come. I, I loved how he was mentoring Afenejan. That's maybe another route that he could take. But f- to be having that discussion two, three months before the World Cup is not healthy because essentially now you've announced that you are open for a call-up. And so now people are going to be, you know, making all sorts of assessment and uh, assessions and all that. But And just to wrap up, I don't blame anyone but our own people. I say our own people because I spoke to George Boateng right after he qualified for the World Cup at um, Labadi Beach Hotel. And it's on record. It was an interview. He said, look, he loves the black stars like they met it. But in the long run, the type of football that they want to play, he was speaking on behalf of the four-man technical team, the type of football that they want to play, where they want to take the team and what they want to see, it's preferable they get young, energetic players. And so he was men- mentioned the likes of Semenyor, uh, Jeffrey Schlopp, these active footballers who are really young and playing in top European leagues. So these are some of the requirements that he was mentioned, that they want to create a very competitive environment in the national team. And that's how we can win trophies. So that's what that was the framework that was laid, according to George Barton, who's an assistant coach of the national team, just after qualification to the World Cup. And then guess what? A few months after he made that statement, we saw... Wakaso in the national team who hadn't played for seven months. And the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that call-up was, ah, this doesn't make sense. Like, wasn't it this technical team member who just said X, Y, Z? This is such a direct 
opposite of what he was preaching. And then I was asking, so who is really making these call-ups? Are, are they getting that liberty? And if they aren't, then is there ever going to be an end? Are we going to have to deal with another situation where another World Cup year comes and players who are more deserving would have to sit back because X, Y, Z are more connected? Possibly. And, I mean, it's part of the bigger conversations, but yeah, that's just how I wanted to wrap up uh, on, on, on this issue so far. George, I think we can go on, right? Oh. Yes, I think we can go on. Um, <clears throat> yeah, clearly, uh, Riku has made, made his points there. John, I don't know if you have a, a few more questions on that um, and with the way the discussion has gone so far. No, yeah, it's really, in- it's really interesting to hear the perspectives because... Um, Obviously, I was there in, um, in, in Ghana. I was lucky enough to be there at the, at the playoff. Um, and yeah, the weakness in the Ghana team was, was up front. I thought I think there's the strength around the club, obviously uh, around the team, but obviously Williams has come in. I just wanted to ask you, George, what, you know, what, what is the situation with the strikers? If the World Cup squad was to be picked tomorrow, who would be the strikers in that squad? Who, who would Jahan be competing with if he, by some miracle, managed to get fit enough to be considered. <laughs> this is really interesting. It would take, I'm just saying, was I saying to Fent a few <clears throat> minutes ago that this perhaps would take the, what happened with Rojamela, maybe he's looking at the presidential order. But um, uh, the Otoado I know and speak to, I, 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 he really must show that he's fit. I don't think he can show that. If he's not able to prove that he's fit, and remember that, with the even though Otuado has the chance to um, put out or say that yes, uh, this is where I want to go, he's got uh, three other technical team members he has to sit to and try and justify. I can't imagine Jan possibly going through um, proper, proper, proper the tactical discussions. He's got uh, George Boateng, Chris Hewitt, you know, all around. And when it comes to the striking. The striking positions of the striking department of the Black Stars. It's a very interesting one because it's out there, the names that we have and the names that we want to come and join. But I think we basically, the, the, the few names that we know, the, the Afenejan is there, we, there's Eddie and Ketia, there are some strikers who are doing well and scoring goals. They've not quite had a look in. So I'll be very, very interested in the next few call-ups of Coach Otuado, that will begin to give us an idea and a design of what he's trying to do, whether he's going to go one up front, go two up front, go three up front. It will give us a, a, a perfect idea. At the moment, there's still a lot of time, uh, not, not a lot of time, but of course still time to give the coach and see what he really brings in. It'll be difficult at this point to pinpoint what it is because I don't think that Coach Otuado is um, overly satisfied with Afenajan. He knows that it's like working project, I mean, working, working progress. And even for the likes of Inaki Williams and if we have Edin Ketiano, you, you, you're just not sure if they can hit the ground running because they need to gel with the team and their in-game tactics and basically need to flow with the team. All of that you know, can take some time for some players. So it's not straightforward as it is. It's not straightforward as it is. And that's why maybe in the background, uh, Samajan feels that he can have a chance at this one. We, we probably have to wait for the coach to go in. I don't know what, um, Fent, you make of the situation, uh, the striking situation and, and uh, what you expect from Coach Otuado in trying to top up my answer so that John can get more perspective to this, Fent. Uh, yeah, I, I think our, our striking situation is... Um, I don't think United Williams coming solves anything to be honest I'm sorry but he is he's uh he's played he's racked up an awful lot of minutes in La Liga he's never been known to be a high volume goal scorer he's only had I think you know double figures once a season I believe I stand to be corrected uh, and so he's not the kind of player that typically is bearing every chance that comes his way or 80% of those chances. He's been proven to be quite wasteful. And um, on top of that, Inaki Williams just sort of reminds me of a player that is not typically an out-and-out striker, one that likes to drift outfield, especially to that to that left-hand side. Um, 
where Jordan Ayu also likes to play a lot. So we basically have perhaps another Jordan Ayu that will run a lot, that will work hard, won't score a lot of goals. Of course, he's not played for the national team, so I can only judge him from his La Liga, from his La Liga numbers. And those numbers are not impressive for a player of his caliber. Um, and so we do, we definitely still do have do have a deficit up there. However, I don't think that traditionally all of our goals have off, have always come from a striker, and that's why I think even the Jan debate um, so far has failed to address. It's not necessarily the fact that because Jan isn't there, the other strikers are struggling. We are. We we won't be able to find goals from elsewhere. I think other players contribute goals, and even when Jan was there, there were times when Sulemontari outscored him, and this is a fact. So, you know, we have found ways where, where you know, ways of playing in this national team where goals come from from everywhere. To be honest, uh, our midfielders in particular contribute a lot of goals uh, to the national team. They have done that, especially over the last twenty years. Uh, most of it included Jan in there when he was quite wasteful for long stretches uh, as well. Um, you know, we all remember the episode of AFCON 2008. You know, he was giving chance upon chance upon chance. He wasn't scoring. SCN Montari stepped up and rescued the country. So you don't always necessarily need a striker to be firing from all angles for us to succeed. Once that goal-scoring responsibility is shared among other players, I think there's always a chance that we can win games even if our strikers are not scoring. Uh, Oroku made the point about not believing that Jan can get fit. You know, almost suggesting that, um, you know, the interview is a bit disruptive uh, at the moment. I think, you know, it, it's, um, it's difficult. You know, I, I think at 36 years old, it's not like Jan is 45 years old and has no chance whatsoever. At 36 years old, I think genuinely that there is a realistic dream there for Jan to think that he can still play at the World Cup. He's 36 years old. When the World Cup comes around, he's 37. That is not unheard of, to be honest. However, I think, and, and getting fit as well, you know, you know, Rookie says that he doesn't think that he can get fit in two and a half months. I think a lot of people don't think he can get fit in two and a half months. But what if he could get fit in two and a half months? And if Jan was 100% fit, because a lot of these are, are very conditional statements here, and even from he himself, he hasn't said that, call me. Uh, you know, if you listen to the interview, he says he, he will see how his body reacts. So, but if, and it's a big one, obviously, because we all don't, we all, we all have our doubts as to whether there's enough time for him to get back to that shape. But if he does get back to that shape, right, and Jan is physically fit, maybe he signs for a team on Monday and he's played a few Ghana Premier League matches before then and he's looking sharp. He's 36 years old, he's scoring goals and Otuado has to name his World Cup squad. I don't think it, has, it is, it is, it is, it is, it would be, it would be absolutely ridiculous for him to consider including Asamojan in the squad, given th- that he can fulfill all of those, all of those conditions. And if we go to it, and especially given the point that I made earlier, which Ben, uh, future John Rear code, the fact that it's a 26 man squad, Including an outlier like 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 might not be on head of after all. However, for me, and this is and you see, and and that's the thing, it perhaps is a bit of a consequence of Jan's own success and his own history. You know, Jan has not when he's played for the national team, he's not necessarily always been a guy that's created a bit of harmony in terms of bringing players together. And Oroku is very much correct when he references what happened at AFCON 2019. I was there in Egypt. The atmosphere was poisonous. It was, it was, it was ridiculously poisonous. And we don't need that. And we all know the conditions that led to that. And those conditions still exist. It's because he wanted to be captain. 
he wasn't happy that the captaincy was given to Andre Ayew. Now, guess what? Three years later, Ayew is still captain. John is still coming back. He's trying to come back into the national team. And those issues are still going to exist. I was at the AFCON. You should have seen the division. It was, it was almost like Andre Ayew had his camp and Jan had his camp. I think it's a blessing that those issues are behind us now. I mean, yes, maybe there can be some undercurrent somewhere, but it's not as palpable as it was in AFCON 2019. You know, and I'm not kidding. I've heard a player, you know, make a passing comment at AFCON 2019 when Ghana got kicked out against Tunisia as they made their way through the, the mix zone. And he spoke in Chi. Also by AFCON. To wait, if you want to win the AFCON, you win. Win and let's see. And this is a Black Stars team. And these are teammates. You know. So John is gone, and there is a part of me that that thinks that John feels his legacy is under threat, and most of that threat perhaps is coming from Andre Ayew, because, like I said before, I really can't see any other African player that is close enough to threatening John's legacy whatsoever. I mean, Musa is in terms of goals; he's not going to the World Cup. So there is no threat there whatsoever. But I genuinely think that, yes, John is very intentional about what he's doing. I think he knows exactly what impact this interview would have. And that's why he's gone ahead to do that. Is it disruptive? I think so as well. Because as much as we think that the dream is real, there is also a massive realistic chance that he doesn't, he doesn't get fit enough to make the World Cup. And so the build-up to the World Cup will now be dominated by all of his talk about John going to the World Cup, is he not going to the World Cup? And instead of spending a lot of time actually going about and looking at what players we have around the world that are good enough and playing in competitive leagues, I think a lot of journalists are going to be packing cameras and going to Legon Ayers Park every weekend to try and see if John is training. I don't think that is worth our time. Do you understand? But with a 26-man squad, I think that is one thing. And Christian Achu said it. He said we should honor Asamoah with a place at the World Cup. You know, to see, I, and if anyone asks my personal opinion on Jan at this World Cup and whether or not we should take him, if he could fulfill all of the conditions, I think yes. Because if Jan was fit... Jan is probably a better striker than all of the guys that we have, even if he's 36 years old, if he's fit. But being fit is another big matter. And right now, we can't stop Jan from dreaming. Like we can't, tell, we can't tell him that he shouldn't dream about going to the World Cup. That would not be fair. You know, and... Okay, you know, just, fend, fend just a quick one. Whether he goes or he doesn't yeah. go... His place in history, that one is sealed. He doesn't, and that's a, I think that's a bit of a disappointment for me. Because he doesn't need to do anything else. Wait, Fen, Fen please hold on. Um, Fred, can, Fred, can you mute? Fred, can you mute? Fred, can you mute your. Yeah. I want Fred to mute, or can you mute Fred? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just going to say. Kindly mute Fred. Yeah, then you can continue. Okay, all right. Uh, I think Fred, is, Fred has muted, so I think you can continue. Yeah, I've removed him. Yeah, so I'm just going to say one thing. Yeah? I'm just going to say one thing before before I sign out. So let's even say that you mentioned you, George. You mentioned that one of the motivations of, of Jan is probably that desire to play again against against Uruguay. Even if Jan were to play against Uruguay again and he were to score and we get kicked out of the World Cup in the group stages, it means nothing. I don't think there's one Ghanaian there that would be happy that we scored Uruguay in the group stages and got and got kicked out of the group stages. That's not the kind of revenge we're looking for. And in that sense, if that happens, it might just end up serving an individual's own desire for revenge rather than the larger picture of Ghana actually making it out of the group stages. So for me, it's a very complicated situation. And Jan is fully aware of what impact this interview would have. And that's why I saw him on Instagram earlier. 
And John, when he shouted pressure, he wasn't talking about pressure on himself. He was talking about his interview putting pressure on the Ghanaian people. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he meant. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. Because now we're, everyone is discussing it. Everyone is talking about Samuel Janus. And he likes that he's putting pressure on us. And to be fair, you know, Janus put enough pressure on us. Come on, man. You missed a, can can you I missed pick up on something, Pentua? Pentua, yeah. can I pick up on something? You've, made, you've, you've talked about it, but I'll get George's opinion as well. I, I saw Christian Atchu tweeting about, um, about it, saying that, that Asamojan should be given, given a chance, um, honour him by giving him the call-up. What's been the, the reaction from footballers you've spoken to, George? You don't have to name names, but what, what's the sense you're getting of um, what, what the football community is making of this in Ghana? Well, I'm, I'm I'm just saying, thinking that you know, it's the split. I guess the answer is that there's a large category of people who absolutely think that it's been great while he's been at the top of his game, but it's time for him to give way. Some feel that you know it's it's selfish and that you know of his own volition he should actually think of the next generation and absolutely not be part of that squad as well. So. Yeah, um, I think it's been a good space. I've, I've massively enjoyed it. Friends, you want to see some final words? Very good, George. And then we can call it a space for now, this special edition. Like I said, it's just an hour long. And then uh, we'll be playing it back on Joy FM as well. So we need to keep it tight. Friends? Yeah, so John, just to answer your question. Yeah, yesterday I spoke to Ajuman Bedou in particular. He's played at five Africa Cup of Nations tournaments with John. Uh, he played with him at the World Cup in 2014 as well. And he said that he doesn't think that there's enough time for John to get fit for the World Cup. And that he knows Asamoah John too well. And that if he's not fully fit, and even he was handed the call-up, John would not take it. So these were his words. He thinks John, he, he, think, he doesn't think he has enough time to get fit for the World Cup. All right. Yeah. Great, 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 great. All right, all right, cool. um, Something you want to say? Yeah, just to, I mean, just to Eric, wrap up. Yeah. yeah. I was just about to, to, to say. Yeah. Wait, who's speaking? Can I go on? No, we just want yeah, you to can't, finish. Can't. Yeah, so we can go ahead. Okay. All right, sure. Um, uh, just to wrap up on uh, Fentu's point on uh, Asamoajan not being the most prolific, especially in tournaments. And I think that is really true. And that's a picture that maybe we might have to paint for people to understand that, yes, it's not as if Ghana are missing out on a striker who, quote-unquote, maybe carried us in all the tournaments that we went to. Everyone played a role. And historically, in the last 15, 20 years, we've had to depend on the whole team. Essentially, we needed a strong defense and we needed midfielders to pop up with goals as well. So it's not the first time that we're not going to have a striker, you know, not scoring a lot of goals in major, uh, major competitions. And let me just quickly go through the numbers for you to get an idea. Yes, Jan scored 51 goals for Ghana, but the, the truth is a lot of them were friendlies and absolutely no disrespect to that. But we're talking about major tournaments here. If you're looking at AFCON data, bar the 2010 AFCON where he scored three goals, he scored just a single goal in 2008, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2017, and 2019. He didn't score. And all throughout these tournaments, except 2019, we got to the semifinals. And so if you take out the 2010, essentially, you're just going one goal and we're still getting to the final. So other people were chipping in. We had the likes of Muntari, ACN, Wakaso, Christina Chu. That's how Ghana have been Ghana in the past few years. There will be a Ghana after Samoajan, and the sooner we embrace it, the better. And yeah, I think that that would be me talking, uh, you know, wrapping up. But it's not. I respect Jan so much, but you know, you have to know at a point that yeah, I've done my bit and I'm handing over the ball now. No, no, no. Rick, I hope you're not getting emotional. <laughs> the way Jan was smiling on his Instagram, I'm sure there will be more interviews. Please get ready, <laughs> but let's let's focus. Let's let's all focus um, <laughs> and and make sure that we go to the World Cup and do well. <laughs> oh,
John Bennett, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you joining us on this space. And uh, once again, big, big, big thanks up on that interview that's got all of us talking, including on this space. Friends, thanks for chipping in. Uriku, uh, thank you as well. And of course, George. So this space is powered by the Joy Sports team. Thank you. And we'll be doing some more. Of course, it's football weekend. Gary L. Smith, thank you again. Bye-bye. Joy 99.7 FM. Ah, why did you push me? Who do you think you are? You think I'm afraid of you? Bring it on. No, 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 no. The two of you, I challenge you to an arm wrestling contest to settle this right now. You see that I'm strong? It's time for your child to showcase their inner superhero. The Ghana Arm Wrestling Federation presents the HD Plus Kids Arm Wrestling Championships 2022. Children between the ages of 12 and 16 can take part and win trophies, certificates, medals and cash prizes totaling 70,000 Ghana cities. Catch the regional competition train on the 27th. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.